Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the I know you're all expecting to hear the gorgeous tones of Ron tonight, but we're going to put out an APB at the start of the show. Where is Ron? Anyway, uh, for those of you who are wondering where, where Ron is, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International. With me, the solo host tonight. Have I been thrown out now? The solo host tonight. Uh, apparently, the gold standard in ghost hunting, Steve Parsons. And normally, you would be also listening to New England's very own Mr. Van Helsing, and that's the one we're out to put an APB out for tonight. Um, but meanwhile, we'll slog on on Togginet, Parex, the ghost channel, and you may be listening in on your tuning app or even to iTunes. And, yeah, apparently the Civil Air Patrol in Massachusetts are out as we speak, launching to find Mr. Kolek. But back here in Old England, or Old Wales, where I am, um, today's been quite an interesting day. It's been a radio day for me because, uh, he says, talking to himself. The, uh, we've been doing some radio stuff over at Pembroke Castle. Uh, we've had a couple of guys come down to interview uh, uh, the castle staff at Pembroke Castle and uh, to find out their their uh, experiences, because the castle has got a relatively short history of paranormal activity, uh, dating back to the very first incidences, which took place in the late 1950s, where apparently two lady visitors uh, went out and uh, spent the night in the castle and laughed, laughed at the, in the face of the ghosts, but then... Uh, not much else was reported until the mid-2000s when a number of members of staff experienced what they thought was an apparition in the chapel tower. But uh, the story gets stranger as we get towards the present day because from 2005 there was this lonely solitary ghost in the chapel tower of Pembroke Castle seen only as a shaded apparition close to the time when they were locking up the castle at the end of the day. But then the ghost hunters got in. People started to investigate the paranormal, and the number of ghost sightings increased exponentially, to the point where 2014, we have demons in Pembroke Castle. So that was an interesting encounter, watching this development from, 19, from the 1950s, and the, the women laughing at the ghostly spectre that they encountered through to the modern-day medium-led paranormal investigations that are going on that have revealed orbs and demons haunting Pembroke Castle. And I understand the Civil Air Patrol have located Ron. So, uh, Mr. Van Helsink, are you, are you there? I am here. Cool. Welcome aboard. I was just telling them what I was what I was up to today. I was doing some radio stuff over at Pembroke you did Castle. Good. You did good all by yourself. I'm quite impressed. That's a nice echo in the background. Yeah, we were just saying that um, it was interesting to be able to track the the story of this 
the haunted history of this of this Welsh castle, this famous Welsh castle, founded in the 12th century, and uh, the birthplace of King Henry the Seventh of England, the first of the Tudor kings. And uh, it had no ghosts, to, relatively speaking. It, uh, every every British castle, of course, does have to have a ghost. It, it comes with the territory. But uh, up until the mid two thousands, there was just the solitary apparition wandering the the uh, chapel and wandering the battlements alone. And now we have uh, the ghost hunters have been in, and now we have uh, dozens of ghosts. There you go. And they're all orb-shaped, except for the demonic one. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I'm actually here at VZ. Remember VZ? I remember it, but it sounds like you're in the bathroom. No, no, I'm in the green room, actually. Uh, I'm here by myself, and except for the banging in the background. So, but, uh, so What's banging in the background, then, if you're there on your own? Uh, I don't want to get into that, but it's, you know, <laughs> very scary, very scary. So anyways, um, Vizi, of course, was the uh, location for Spirit Quest for the past three years and will be uh, next year. Yeah, do you want to reveal the dates? Yeah, why don't you? Because I'm going to lock that down tonight. That's one of the reasons I'm here is that I am locking those dates down, so... Okay, well, if people bear with me while I scroll the calendar forward to September of 2015, and I can say that, can am I, am I allowed to know, announce the dates now? Absolutely. Commencing, I, I guess, the same format as last year, I will be meeting on Friday the 18th in the evening for a get-together and a cheese and wine uh, supper. No, sir. <laughs> And then the main Spirit Quest events will continue through Saturday, the 19th of September and Sunday, September 20th, 2015. The tickets will be on sale shortly via the New England Ghost Project uh, website. That's the New England NEGhost.com website. And the tickets will be on sale uh, shortly. And uh, I think they're a uh, discount for the advanced ticket sales. Of course, of course. It was a good, good, excellent one. All I got was reviews from everybody uh, who went to it last year. It was a blast. On top of it, it was a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, and I think that's the key, just to learn and experience things and to have fun. It, uh, we- was, it was a great weekend. And um, I think year on year, I, 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 uh, last year was my second one. And uh, been able to watch it develop and grow. And uh, see it sort of start to evolve into something that I think is going to run for for many years and become, you know, on the calendar of the go-to events, uh, certainly in the New England circuit, you know, certainly for the sort of northeast of America. Because, you know, we did get people traveling some distance uh, to, to oh, go yeah. to the events. People came out from Florida, from yeah. uh, uh, New Jersey, and uh, New York, and uh, I think there was someone from Washington as well. So yeah, it's it's been growing. Uh, it's a lot of fun. That's the key. It, it's learning. It's a unique experience. It's not like every conference that's out there. You just go have guest speakers and that. This is more hands-on. You do things, and there were some great, great results uh, out of it. I mean, to me, the the coolest thing. Uh, had to be the dowsing uh, 
treasure hunt. I mean, people actually, I mean, let me ask you, Steve, I mean, because you, you've been known to be as a little bit of skeptical, especially. Am I? Uh, a little bit, just a little. Okay. Um, just a tad you know, I'm sure it's from something someone said about you at one time, but knowing you the way I do, I know it's not true. But anyways, the the dowsing thing, were you amazed at as much as I was how people were able to hunt the treasure down just by map dowsing and then regular dowsing? Do you know, that was one of the interesting things for me because you gave me the task on the, uh, I think it was a Friday afternoon, to hide the treasure coins around VZ. And to be honest with you, I wasn't paying a great deal of attention when I, when I put them out. And by Saturday morning, I'd completely forgotten, um, as, as I demonstrated on Sunday when I had to go and collect them again. I think there's probably still well, one there. wasn't there. that many collect. It was only a couple to collect, right? Well, and, uh, yeah, there's probably still one there because I, I genuinely couldn't remember where some of them were. And uh, I, I wasn't being devious, but I, I wasn't being obvious either where, the, where they were located. And I'd never... Uh, would have suspected that anybody really would have found them just by chance. And yet one person in particular... Wait a minute, did uh, you say chance? Chance. I said I never would have found, thought Mm -hmm. that anybody would have found them by chance. By chance? Chance. Okay, I I accept that. I mean, the... Uh They weren't, uh, uh, they weren't in a place where you could stumble across them. No, you didn't put them in plain view. You actually hid them. Yeah. They were... Under things, in things. Yeah, they were not. Uh, they were not designed to be stumbled across and found by accident and by chance. Right. Um, <laughs> but one ge- one of our one of our dousing participants actually came across probably I would have thought the two most difficult, and they did that from just dousing on the map and then went straight to the straight to the items as i understand now they they hadn't spoken to me the entire weekend um mm-hmm. they hadn't interacted with me any in any way uh, in fact i don't think that the person was actually known to me uh, right. and i so, didn't even i didn't even know where they were myself exactly so uh, what do you mean chance we are rubbing off on him chance not chances yeah it's september 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 Anyway, there's a, there's a talk about my accent, my New England ac- developing New England accent in the chat room. Okay. Um, yeah, that was that, that was really interesting. That was really impressive, and I would have thought that that uh, something we can maybe develop next year. Oh yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be back again. Uh, so that it, it's definitely going to do it again. There'll be some new hitches. This wait a minute, did we give the actual dates up? I don't think we gave the dates. Up. Yeah, we did. Uh, we start off with the che- cheese and wine evening is September eighteenth, uh, starting so 18th the twenty uh, first. Eighteenth to the twentieth, eighteenth, nineteenth, twentieth, Friday, Saturday, oh, okay. Sunday. My wife's birthday. Uh huh, and my wedding anniversary. Ah. Which one? Mm. Uh, <laughs> the 20th. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah, moving on. Every year I've managed to dodge out of the wedding anniversary because... I know, that's smart. Hey, I'm just in New England. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm glad you asked me to pick those dates for you. <laughs> and apparently it's Kirsten's birthday, September the 18th, so, uh, so we can have a big birthday party and a cheesy wine evening. <sighs> Um, yeah, so that, w- that was particularly impressive. But what was interesting, what I do like about Spirit Quest is, as you said earlier, it's not a Paracon. 
Uh, Paracons tend to be, uh, you know, somebody sets up a table and flogs their book, please buy my new book, and I'm going to give you a 45-minute talk on why you should buy my new book, and then I will sign my new book. Hey, it actually sounds like Cal the year before, doesn't it? Um, with telephone calls from the dead. But no, Spirit Quest is different. It, it, it's, it's much more hands-on. It's much more interactive. It, there's, there's a huge element of fun as well. You, you, we had uh, last year gone, this year gone, I should say, uh, we had the, the great red light seance, uh, which, was, which was mentalism, which was illusion, which was magic, but drew upon you know, many of the inspirations from the original uh, seance techniques. Uh, we had a, we had the ghost hunts. We had the talks, on on a broad, wide range of subjects. Some of them were, you know, science focused. Some of them were psychic focused. Uh, you know, a huge, huge range of uh, interests were served. And now, and now my Skype's gone all quiet on me. Oh, well, apparently it's not my Skype. Um, I'm still on air, I think. Is it still me? Somebody tell me in the chat room. Yeah, keep, yeah. So, yeah, as we're saying, uh, Sky, uh, Spirit Quest last year, it was, it was completely different than your average Paracon. Uh, some of the highlights were we used uh, early devices from, from psychical research, a Raudiva diode. This was a device that was invented by one of the pioneers of uh, EVP research, Constantine Raudiva, a Latvian parapsychologist, who in the 1960s had become excited about the possibilities of electronic voice phenomena, had written a book called Breakthrough about his experiments in electronic voice phenomena, and was trying to perfect a technique that used, did away with the microphone and did away with uh, the possibilities of radio stations and, and other sort of interference being misinterpreted as electronic voice phenomena. And uh, he, he came up with this diode device which plugged into the recorder uh, instead in, in lieu of the microphone. And we had some replicated devices, uh, one I'd taken over from in the UK here, and some that had been manufactured by Ron's EVP guy, Jim, for use uh, in uh, during Spirit Quest, and we were out in parts of the estate at Vesey trying out EVP experiments by using these devices and comparing them to um, some of the the more conventional, the more the more modern, up to date voice recorder techniques, where a voice recorder is simply placed on a table, and um, I. I I won't really spoil it because I know we've got an upcoming show that that's going to deal with EVP, and um, we'll 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 let we'll let Jim maybe uh, give us some more updates on that. Uh, the other things that we did we we, we talked about and uh, the whole the whole ethos of uh, Spirit Quest this year um, was steampunk, so there was very much a sort of touching base with the the origins of psychical research and some of the early pieces of equipment that were used by the, by the pioneers of psychical research. So we had, um, we had some of the early EVP recorders. Obviously, because these are big, heavy, some of them weigh 40 or 50 pounds. Um, and here in the UK, 
we were unable to take them over, but we made some pre-records, um, some video footage. And in fact, um, whilst we're on air, if all goes well and uh, the gods are with us in the background, we're going to actually run one live. Uh, so we had those. We had those be, uh, being demonstrated uh, on video. Um, and we had, I think for me, one of the, one of the fun parts of the night was the... Um, was the steampunk fancy dress ghost hunt. Uh, we, had, we had people had gone to a great deal of trouble to attire themselves in a range of strange and bizarre steampunk costumes, not, not least of which is my co-host, Ron, who uh, is never a man not to dress up. You know, every time I've seen a photograph of Ron, he's always got some hat on. Um, and you can hear in the background, um, before I come on to talking about the other events, which, which involved my co-conspirator from the UK, Stephen Scott, and his lovely wife. Stephen is a spiritualist medium and had joined us for the, for the events at Spirit Quest. Um, you can actually hear in the background, uh, probably hear in the background, a radio set um, that was used in the 1960s and 70s by a British parapsychologist, a British researcher in electronic voice phenomena. The guy, uh, the, the gentleman in question uh, was Raymond Cass, and he was an audiologist. His job was to test hearing, was to fit people with hearing aids and to diagnose hearing problems. But he became fascinated with EVP, with electronic voice phenomena, this idea that the dead could communicate with the living directly using voice. And uh, he, he was also fascinated by radio. He lived on the east coast of the UK. And uh, he, he was one of the pioneers of, of a type of electronic voice phenomena that looked at 27 megahertz, 27, uh, the, the 27 megahertz band, and was called the ghost of 27 megacycles, uh, the old-fashioned the old term for megahertz. And one of those radios he used was a modified... World War II communications uh, radio receiver, a British radio receiver, and uh, I've, we actually have th that device. Um, I, I was fortunate enough, along with some other pieces of equipment, to have been uh, given the equipment. Nobody else seemed to want it. And in the background, you can hear this this very strange radio from the 1970s, still working as it originally did. And the method was, uh, as, as is used in modern ghost hunting, to call out, to try to get spirits to communicate, and then hopefully they would break through this, this radio chatter that was going on in the background. Uh, it's slightly off tune. What you're actually hearing is a weather broadcast, um, just so that you can hear it do something. Let me just detune it slightly and quieten it down a bit. And uh, I don't know if we can do live EP via, via the, the radio. But uh, we'll give it a go. We'll give it a go because I am, at the moment, the APB is still out for Ron. So uh, I'm going to give it a go and see if we can get Ron to talk to us uh, via the medium of the ghost box, via the medium of this Edderstone receiver from the 1960s. Uh, so if there is any spirits there, if you want to say your name nice and clearly so the, the listeners and the podcasters can hear you speak. So, what is your name? Say your name. Hello. 
If anybody in the chat room actually hears anything, please do uh, chime in and uh, let me know what you're hearing. I'll give it another second or two. If you can hear my, if you can hear me talking to you, uh, if you can hear my voice, not the people in the podcast, of course, but the people on the the ghost box, say your name clearly. that and run off in the background so that was one of the things that we were doing at spirit quest uh we also had some of the other earlier devices the recorders that were used by cass um as alongside the radios because obviously he had to be able to record uh his communications with the dead in in all cass probably worked on about ten thousand odd recordings um over the years before he sadly passed if Ronnie's going to come through as an EVP, uh, you might need to hit the beep button, apparently. <laughs> so uh, we're due to come up to an ad break fairly soon, so I get to have a sip of tea and uh, and keep going in the meantime. As I said, one of the other things that we did have at Spirit Quest uh, 2014 was uh, the services of the Scottish spiritualist medium, Stephen Scott, and his wife, Vari. Stephen uh, and I got to spend quite a lot of time together and it was interesting to, to I, I, certainly from my perspective, to spend an extended time with a, with a, with a medium. Um, I, I do work quite closely with psychics and mediums, but normally for a few hours at a time and then we go our separate ways. And uh, I've, I've always wondered why, why mediums get involved in ghost hunting because I've got a great deal of respect for what they do and uh, it's always intrigued me because intrinsically mediums tend to work within the seance room or within the spiritualist community and the the, the basis of their religion, their ethos is that spirits uh, exist, they're in a, a higher realm, uh, they've passed through, through the barrier that, that, that we would describe as death nonetheless they still exist and that they they are reachable and that we can the living uh, can communicate them with them unlike trying to communicate with ron evidently i died <laughs> hello welcome back so i was here talking did by my, <coughs> you would drop but it was me huh uh yeah you've been doing the whole show for yourself for the last uh, 20 minutes Oh, that's nice. Uh, the interesting thing is uh, it was so quiet, and then I looked, my battery was completely drained, and that's bizarre because I'm plugged into the wall. So uh, yeah. don't know what's going on there. Well, you have to turn the power socket on at the wall. It's on. It's on. And uh, I don't know. Strange. Very strange. All I can say is, you know, I am at the haunted busy estate. So. Well, I was just, uh, whilst you were off air, um, <laughs> I was just running through some of the things, including um, just, just because I could, because it was next to me, we put the EVP box on. Remember the, the uh, EVP box that we used up at, uh, via a, a video link from v, uh, at VZ? I showed some video footage of these 1960s radio devices. Oh, actually, uh, yeah. One of which was right next to me. So we tried to get you via the medium of the ghost box. Uh, live as Skype work? wasn't working uh, I don't know, did you come through on it? Did anybody in the chat room hear Ron? 
Yeah. I hate myself. Yeah, you know, that's your interesting thing, and I don't know what this got to do or anything, but um, do you know much about dreams? Do you know, actually, actually, the person you need to speak to is my co-conspirator in Parasites. Um, really? But very much an area of interest of Anne's uh, dream study. Uh, there is, There are several laboratories, like Maimonides, uh, who specifically have been studying dreams uh, Dream, REM, uh, and its interaction with psi. Hmm. So it is studied by parapsychologists, but it's. I it's know, it's one of the really. things you can because you can do that very much in a laboratory. Well, do you know what? We've actually done it on a ghost hunt. Uh, in terms of uh, people do, in the middle of the night, they do inevitably fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can't really stop people falling asleep. It just happens when you park people in dark rooms. And this is why we don't turn the lights off. But uh, when people fall asleep, what we realize is that uh, uh, it might be worth documenting what they dream about. And so we have always said to people, if you do fall asleep, we will forgive you, providing you write down what you're dreaming about. Mm-hmm. And as somebody said in the chat room, that uh, Abraham Lincoln foresaw, I assume it's Abraham Lincoln and not the car maker, foresaw his death uh, in a dream and wrote exactly. it down in his journal. Yeah, I, I had a, a great case, uh, Maureen and I did oh, years ago, and it was a woman who lost her mother. And her mother, when she was alive, and, and her would always go to the racetracks. And uh, after her mother died, she would have these dreams, and she would, her mother would be there in the dreams, and they would, she would actually see the program, and her mother would tell her the winners. So uh, the next day, she would check the results, and sure enough, the, the, the winners she saw that her mother pointed out to in the dreams uh, were were there, and but she never been on the horses. Well, that's a wasted opportunity. Well, you know, she was she was uh, you know she was raised up Catholic, good old Catholic guilt, you know. <laughs> hey, now come on, I've seen the, the, many as a priest spends his time in the betting office or in the uh, or propped up against the bar. The Catholic faith does not preclude gambling and alcohol. Yeah, well, you know that's why they have confession. Uh, <laughs> I am losing power again for this reason. Uh, I'm down. Well, well, you've got two minutes to charge it up while we go through the ad break. Uh, It's pretty weird. It's just dropping, and it's plugged into the wall, which makes no sense at all. Uh, Um, Have you got hand generator, windmill generator? No, I don't know what's going on. Uh, Very strange, though. So anyways, the the interesting thing is... uh, her mother finally just gave up on it. It's like, yeah, well, if I, here I am telling you and you're not going to pay attention to it, then the heck with you then. Well, you know, there's an interesting, uh, anal- there's lots of analogies in psychical research where the ghost is coming back to try and do something positive for the living person. But that aside, we have 15, 20 seconds to go to an ad break. So uh, as we roll into the ad break, uh, just to remind you, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International, um, Togginet, Parax, the Ghost Channel, maybe the TuneIn app, or even the Ghost Box. And we'll be back after these words from our sponsors. I may or may not be. Or may not be. <laughs> Fingers crossed, guys. Down See you the other side. See the other side of the ads.
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Is that better? There you go. We've lost. No, you haven't lost, Steve. I was just saying before before things went all terribly pear shaped tonight that if America thinks that Downton Abbey is how Great Britain spends its time, then you are a very misguided country indeed, um, because we don't. 
nothing like Downton Abbey. In fact, we don't even watch Downtown Abbey. We're all too busy watching Lizard Lick Towing. I'm just checking whether my co-host is still alive over at VZ. Is he? Is he in VZ? Well, apparently he's not. But before the break, regardless, um, we were talking briefly about mediums and how I've intrigued by this question because, you know, down to because of their religious uh, or spiritual beliefs, they, they have an intrinsic knowledge that, of course, spirits exist and that we survive death, and yet they still go a ghost hunting. Now, of course, there isn't. Uh, there are uh, not necessarily links between ghosts and spirits. There are clear definitions um, that separate the two. A spirit is, as it, as it says, it's a survival of death. It's some element of the human psyche, the soul that, that lives beyond our, our physical death. A ghost could be any number of things. It could be a recording. It could be a hallucination. It could be a figment of the imagination, all lumbered under the same title. So it's interesting that, that mediums do, in fact, go ghost hunting. But today... Um, I come back to what I was saying at the start, opening of the show. Uh, filming, doing another radio show um, at Pembroke Castle, and discovered that another paranormal team, local to where I am here in West Wales, has been conducting some public, inve- very public investigations, um, and they're medium led. And uh, what astonished me was not the evidence that they present, which is as can probably be imagined, orbs and uh, weird-sounding EVPs. But the, excuse me, but the amount that the medium gets paid for doing one event. I'm not going to mention the figure tonight, but I'm definitely in the wrong game. Ghost hunting, as Ron used to say to me, another day, another dollar. Well, that's about the, that's about the level, unless you're a psychic medium, in which case... Uh, in which case you can get an awful lot more. I'm just reading the chat rooms here. We're obviously still trying to get through to Ron. So if, uh, what I'd like everybody to do is possibly join hands, put your hands in front of you onto the desks, and uh, we'll, we'll try out a big psychic shout-out for, for Ron to see if he's around. Um, his batteries were going flat. He's all on his own in the haunted VZ estate. He's in the green room at VZ uh, all alone in a very haunted location and uh, it seems that the ghosts are zapping his power even though he's plugged into the main supply um, he's not being allowed to to communicate with us tonight so uh, we're just watching to see if we can get Ron back while I waffle on a little bit more about EVP because that's what we were we one of the things that we were doing during uh, Spirit Quest was looking at the different techniques and methods that we use by electronic voice phenomena. The modern method um, is, is is certainly a corruption of the original technique. The original technique, um, as practiced by by lab based EVP researchers, tends to focus on the idea of a communicator, a spirit facilitator. Um, that's it kind of imagine it like uh, a telephone exchange on the other side and you have a, uh, a human operator this end communicating with a spirit operator the other end and each channeling people through via the communication link 
that that exists. There have been there have even been um, attempts to involve the spirit world directly. The spirit of Edison and others have been said to have assisted in the development of some of these spirit communication devices, like the spirit com and like uh, the scammel device that the Society for Psychical Research gave to myself and Cal Cooper uh, to try and restore and understand how it was functioning. But modern EVP techniques have have largely concentrated with going out into the locations. They're, they're much more location-based. They're much more based on the idea of digital recording, this instantaneous uh, record, ask question, play back, uh, get response, respond straight away. Um, and the variation, on it, of course, the logical variation is the ghost box, the Frank's box, whereby people will actually interact in real time, uh, live, as it were, with uh, with ghosts. The uh, the methods differ, but the results claimed for the new methods, the results claimed for devices like ghost boxes, are are really quite challenging to modern psychical research into parapsychology because a lot of the audio is in very short clips it's in almost monosyllabic monosyllabic uh references responses one word responses and relies primarily upon somebody interpreting that response even when they're recorded and played back the response is still unclear um, made more clear usually by somebody saying it sounds like yes or it sounds like get out of here um, but they're, they're highly challenging because they're, they're contestable because they're contentious because you are relying on a subjective experience you do have uh, a real phenomena you have this real sound appearing on the radio there's no doubt that there's a real sound there because everybody in the room can hear it and everybody who's recording it can record the same sound phenomena what you are what you do have a problem with though is that the the actual quality of the the the, the voice the the audio playback uh, is generally so poor or so distorted that you are reliant entirely upon how people subjectively interpret that sound so for example if you say can you tell us your name you might get four or five different interpretations of the sound four or five different names being put forward and the added complication is once somebody says fred i heard the name fred a lot of other people will then tend to agree with that statement um will agree that the name they heard was in fact Fred because you have the the idea of this human suggestion taking place during my time on uh, on television uh, one of the interesting experiments that was done on most haunted was at the start of the show they used to do what they said was an EVP experiment and across the bottom of the screen they had a, a, a scrolling bar a scrolling ticker tape bar and uh, they had four EVP uh, clips that you could listen to uh, they played them uh, both on the television, and you could also go to the uh, the supporting web page and have a listen to the actual EVPs themselves. And at the start of the show, uh, this bar would run across EVP one, two, three, and four, and people would uh, were were invited to phone in, to text in, and to email in to to the hub what they thought that the EVPs said. 
and it was very, very random right at the start of the show. Uh, for the first 10 or 15 minutes, the the uh, suggestions that were coming in were were all you know, the, largely at variance with each other. There was very little similarity between um, between people's suggestions until the bar was, was, had been running for a few minutes and people could start to read what other people were saying uh, and what other people were interpreting the sounds as being. And gradually, as the show progressed, as, as people started to read the suggestions, uh, people began to agree more and more and more. And, of course, by the midpoint in the show, by halfway through the show, you had the uh, you know, 80% of people were all hearing the same thing for EVP1, and seventy something percent percent we're hearing we're hearing we're hearing, we're hearing this, the same thing for EVP too. And the numbers increased, the percentages increased during the show. That wasn't to say that the EVPs were any clearer, uh, or that people were any better at, uh, at uh, interpreting what was being said. But they were being guided by the suggestion, by the other suggestions uh, of what people had said. Um, and I'm just checking with the chat room to see. I've got Karina, you are good. Keep talking. Ha, keep talking. You are good. Well, I'm the only person here, unless my producer wants to come in and tell me about spooky Texas. So <laughs> we're having no, I'm just going to ask, ask out live into the, into the chat room. Has anybody seen Ron? Has he in fact disappeared? Come on, speak to me, chat room. Has Ron disappeared? He is rebooting. That sounds interesting. So, uh, I guess I don't know what that means. Uh, Ron is rebooting. Cool. Meanwhile, over here in the UK, as we run up to Christmas, uh, Christmas is, of course, is a very interesting season for ghost hunting because we've just gone through Halloween, uh, which is a big, big time in America, and it's it's becoming very American here in the UK. We've gone from this idea of the British tradition of bobbing for apples and carrying lanterns around to very much an American uh, Halloween that any North American listener would recognise with, the, with the, the pumpkins, with the decorations, with the trick-or-treating. Uh, and everybody assumes that, of course, you know, it's very much the season of ghosts and, and spooks. But in fact, it isn't. The season for for the traditional Western ghost is is coming up so- shortly. It's it's Christmas. Um, there has always been a great tradition of the midwinter storytelling, the the midwinter ghost story. Uh, Dickens. Uh, on annually used to write uh, a ghost story for uh, for Christmas. The most famous, of course, being a Muppet's Christmas Carol, uh, which he wrote uh, about a small boy and um, and a very large turkey and a man called Mister uh, Mister Scrooge. But Dickens wrote wrote many ghost stories around Christmas, and Christmas is traditionally the time when the veil draws thinnest when the when people are sitting around the fire um the midwinter cer- the midwinter solstice the the fire ceremonies the drawing in of the nights the changing from one year to the next the ending of a season the the, the cycle of life going around has a has a very evocative link with death with spirits with ghosts the romans had ceremony, ceremonies um at midwinter where they commemorated and celebrated their ancestors uh here in the west of 
here in the west of the United United Kingdom. I can hear a terrible echo there. That's me. Uh, no, that's me. Oh, it's you. No, there was actually an echo of me. Uh, I was just saying about the midwinter ceremony and how ghosts are more prevalent actually at Christmas than at, at uh, Halloween, which we've just gone through. Uh, but we're coming into the, sp- the genuine spooky season uh, of Christmas and the great tradition of, of storytelling started by Dickens uh, or, be- or continued by Dickens would be more accurate. Um, yeah. So, I, th- it, sorry? It, I was going to ask you about this. It's funny you mentioned that. And good job, you know, the British carrying on. But once again, my power is just dropping. I have no clue what's going on. So I may be lost again. Uh, mm, that's, that's a bit scary. We turned about Mupp- uh, the Muppets Christmas Carol, written by Dickens. Muppets Christmas Carol. Well, he wrote the Muppets Christmas Carol, didn't he? He did not. He wrote the Christmas Carol. Well, it's got Muppets in it. No, we don't. <laughs> I might have been well, born, but I wasn't born yesterday. <laughs> so, hey. have you found out? Have you found out the cause of the of the power outages at VZ? Oh, it's down to nineteen percent now, and it's been dropping steadily. I'm plugged into an outlet, and I can't figure it out. And and I just disconnected the speakers and the the condenser mic to try to cut conserve power, but. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll be able to hang in here, but essentially, I don't understand this. It's, I've never had this problem before, unless the battery is dying on it totally. I, but I, I doubt that. But I will check it out. Oh, as I, the power is starting to gain, so <laughs> maybe we're in. Now. Um, well, we, we we can hold together for 13 more minutes. <laughs> So, I mean, does America have this tradition of the Christmas ghost like, like we have? No, we don't. We don't. And, and I was going to add, that's funny because that's one of the things I wanted to mention on the show and I never got to, to talk because I died, was the um, Christmas thing. So, anyway, you still there? Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was just... Uh... Just thinking back that you know Halloween is a very big, a very big festival in America. Um, you have you have imported the festival, the Celtic festival uh, of San Samhain, um, and then run with it, commercialised it, run over the hills and far away with it, and uh, and we've we've kind of re-imported it back. But the the great mythology of Halloween is, of course, that it's a season for ghosts. It it, it isn't. Um, in terms of ghost stories and the ghost hunters and the the appearances of ghosts, the the, the, the great majority oh, it, of uh, it goes it goes mainly from from the, the tradition of Halloween, All Saints and All Souls Day, and you know the, the theory that that's when the veil is the thinnest between the living, the realms of the living and dead. That's where the ghost stuff comes in. Yeah. Maybe not ghost stories, but that's where the ghost stuff comes in. Yeah, but as I say, you know, over here, um, the 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 season of Christmas, the season of midwinter, the change between the two years is actually the time when predominantly we get more interested in ghosts. We sit around. I, I suppose it's the the long winter nights and the the telling of ghost stories. The the Celtic and Anglo-Saxon tradition of of, of storytelling comes to the fore, and people love a good scare, and uh, why, we love a why, good ghost story. Why Christmas? Uh, why is Christmas associated with ghost stories? I, I'm not getting that. 
Well, in actual fact, it's not Christmas per se. Christmas comes about with Dickens because he used to write um, annually a Christmas ghost story for the Christmas edition of the uh, newspaper, the, the, the periodical he, he, he edited. And, of course, some of them became very famous, like The Haunted Man and the Ghost Bargain. And, of course, we talked about The Christmas Carol. Uh, but he, he he would write a Christmas edition. But what he's really doing is using Christmas as a metaphor for the midwinter because the midwinter idea of ghosts and spirits um, is, is goes right the way back to uh, the Romans, to the Celts, the Anglo-Saxons. Uh, but it was Dickens who really popularised the idea of the Christmas ghost. And, the, and for many, many years, um, our main broadcaster, the BBC, used to celebrate Christmas night um, by putting on a ghost story, uh, really? both on the radio and on the television. They would, they, would, they would either commission one specially or they would uh, run one of the Dickens ones or some other you know, uh, suitable ghost story, which was always the great tradition of, of uh, the BBC on Christmas night, uh, late on at night, you know, eleven thirty through till midnight, they would run the ghost story and maintain uh, it. Digital television and this multi-channel world that we live in now has has largely done away with it, of course. But uh, and we're left with Alistair Sim and uh, the Muppets to carry on the tradition of a Christmas Carol. Uh, okay. But yeah, you know, for many many years, I grew up with the Christmas Ghost Story, and uh, Harry Price um, published a book called Christmas Ghosts. Uh, which he, he a very, it's actually a very thin volume, which was a sort of, it's a Christmas card-sized book um, called Christmas Ghosts. It was published in, um, I think, about 19... Is it, is it true ghost stories or just made-up ghost stories? No, no, no. Um, it, it, it's really a sort of delve through some of Price's experiences, how, how they related or were linked to Christmas. Uh, he talks about the association of Christmas with the supernatural uh, being traced right the way back to pre-Christianity. He opens the book with, it was Charles Dickens who really popularised the Christmas ghost. At least it was his writings, which more so than any other author associated the ghost with Christmas in the minds of the reading public. Who can doubt that the immortal and repentant Scrooge in The Muppet's Christmas Carol being a ghost story of Christmas was responsible for millions of people accepting without demure the possibility of the beneficent influence of the dead over the living. Uh, William Makepeace Thackeray, of course, also wrote ghost stories. Some of the other Christmas ghost stories, the chimes, uh, the bells that rang the old year out and the new year in, the haunted man, a fancy for Christmas time. You know, Dickens churned them out year on year, um, but Price talks about you know he, he he considers the ancient traditions of the Christmas ghost. He looks at some um, some of the ghost hunt tales related to Borley during the Christmas holidays because you know he he took rent of uh, Borley Rectory for a year, which included uh, the Christmas period. So he relates in that book, you know, his his own Christmas versions of his investigations and his experiences and uh, their associations with the historical precedent for Christmas ghosts. Now, that's interesting. Uh, and what was the name of Harry's Price book once again? A Christmas Ghosts. A Christmas Ghosts. Mm-hmm. And it's probably one of the hardest uh, price books to find. They are in, it's a very, very small book. It's about the size of half a postcard, half a picture postcard. I see. Uh, 
I you assume correctly. Um, <laughs> I would not have a Harry Um Actually, I think in, in terms of the printed material, uh, several American magazine articles, I think, are all that's now missing from the collection. But it's not about what I've got in terms of what Harry Price. It's mm. it's this idea that you know. Um, Ghosts at Christmas were recognised by Price. You know, as a psychical researcher, he realised that, uh, and commercialised it by writing a book, of course, that it's not Halloween. Halloween is a season for celebrating the spirit realm, for sure, uh, looking at the, the, where the veil is thinnest. But Christmas is the time for the ghosts. So an interesting time coming up for, for us ghost hunters. No, I don't think anybody really does ghost hunting at Christmas in the U.S. Uh, well, we did in the U.K. I've I've been ghost investigating on Christmas Eve um, through through midnight into Christmas Day. I've been on Christmas Day through into Boxing Day. Not well, I haste, not I haste on the same same year, but um, right throughout the Christmas period through the New Year period. Um, definitely, I've uh, been investigating, been out on locations um, doing doing stuff because let's be honest once once you've had your fill of turkey and mince pies and the queen's speech and downtown abbey um there isn't much else to do so it's a good chance to get out there get some fresh air blow the cobwebs off and uh, do what us ghost hunters do best has there ever been a study of what days or even what months have been most uh, reports of ghosts? Uh, not directly. Um, there hasn't been a sort of by calendar. Um, there have been by location and uh, by by sort of people have tried to trace them to ley lines. But by calendar, no, not really. Um, anecdotally, of course, everybody accepts that the winter is the time for ghosts because the nights are longer and, you know, it's generally darker. In actual fact, uh, in terms of my own experience, I don't see one season being any different than another. But what I do uh, and would entirely agree with, and I think that most serious investigators would acknowledge, is that different locations work to different cycles. For example, at the shipyard, uh, when the weather was extremely cold, there wasn't a lot of point in us being there. Uh, and at other locations, when the weather is warmer in the summer months, it, it appears to be more active. So there does appear to be some relationship between the phenomena and the, the sort of local uh, weather conditions, the climate, the, the ambient temperature, whether it's you know dry and humid or whether it's cold and clear or cold and wet. Uh, but not in so much as you would notice it that, dry weather makes more ghosts it, it can vary from location to location some were very active when the weather was colder some were more active when the weather was warmer but there is there is certainly um something that we've observed over the years is that certain locations you know you can well, almost then, say well, there's no point in going in you know march to march to june unbelievable just two minutes left uh one thing i didn't want you i mean if we go along with that i mean if you listen to most ghost hunters that they have all these new devices right they, they yeah. come up with uh, 
and you think, and the whole idea of a lot of them is to give energy to ghosts. I mean, you would think that during lightning storms, there would be a great deal more reports of ghosts uh, because it's providing energy for them to do what they do. Well, you would, but in actual fact, some of the research that's looked at uh, the relationship of electrostatic energy, which obviously comes from a lightning strike, suggests that it it is uh, works the opposite way, that it actually destroys psychic experiences or psi, prevents it from working. So, you know, as much as, as, much as one set of evidence gives you one set of uh, possibilities, an entirely different contradictory set of possibilities will come from the next, the next thing that you investigate. And that's the conundrum of the paranormal. And it brings us kind of nicely to the conundrum of the end of the show as well. Yeah, sorry I wasn't able to join you, but That's I was, all right. I, I I was simply amazed that you were able to carry on. You know, I mean, I still have that sticker stuck on my computer uh, with the British uh, flag on it. And it, what does it say? Uh, do you remember? No, but I'm going to get to remind me. Something like you know, carry on. I'm British. Carry on. Oh, uh, yeah. Carry on and drink tea. Yeah, whatever. Or something like that. So, anyways, uh, thanks an awful lot, Steve, for carrying the show, and I appreciate that. And, I was going to uh, say, I think no one was more amazed at my ability to rattle on for... Oh, I'm me. not. I, I Believe me, I know you can talk. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> it's very. <laughs> it's easy to talk to somebody else, to talk to yourself for, for, for 20 minutes, and but in 10 seconds' time, it's time to go time. Oh, I guess. All right. So, good night and God bless, everyone. Good night, God bless. Ron, you get that power sorted out. Be yeah. safe and easy. Believe it or not, it's starting to come back now. <laughs> <laughs> Just in time. Good yeah, night, God bless. Yep. Yeah, I- to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law.